Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Trillionaire. It is 10.29 a.m. And today I'm going to talk about some some more ideas that's been on my mind. Uh, mostly in the space of language, I think. You know, not much to report on in terms of what I've been doing last, like what, two days since I did the last episode. Just, you know, a little bit of rest. Um... Uh, cleaning up, <laughs> reorganizing, things like that. It's just some housekeeping. But, um, I've mentioned this a little bit before, but I just find it so interesting how language. Oh, I think I have a quote about this too. By, uh, I just, just found it in my information architecture book. Um, it was by, it's a Philip K. Dick quote. Um, and I, I should, I wish I found it before for my talk, because that, that would have been a great thing to add there. Um, and I, I, I probably will put it with the future talks that I have on this topic. Um, but here we go. Yes. So it's the basic tool for the manipulation of reality is the manipulation of words. Philip K. Dick. So I find that extremely, extremely interesting. Um, and definitely something I, I I see myself and I have you know thought about for a while how language has been one of the first and biggest kind of tools for humanity to augment reality, right? And it's so interesting because when you look at how language works and how we kind of got here, it's so weird. Like it's so it doesn't really <laughs> make pure sense how we got here because when you look at other animals, you don't actually see like a, a a a a direct or linear kind of progress of language at least as we understand it so far and the reason i say this is because i've been looking at this um, for a while i've been like studying other not really studying too much but <laughs> just interested in um humanity's intentions or humanity's uh experiments with trying to communicate with other animals like there's this whole <laughs> that was kind of creepy um, or, or, or disturbing, but there's this whole um, docu- documentary about the scientists that try to communicate with dolphins. Then um, uh, that that was just weird. I think it's called The House of Dolphins or something like that. I think it's on it's on YouTube or Netflix or, or I think it's on YouTube. But yeah, you can look this up. It's it's kind of disturbing. I don't want to go too much into it, but. Um, Suffice to say, our current understanding of dolphins shows that they do seem to have some to- sort of language where they can, like, that they, they don't have exactly names for themselves, but they do have some method of identifying, you know, each each type of dolphin. Um, I think other creatures seem to have some sort of language, like crows, like, or corv- any sort of corv- corvids, crows, ravens, and things like that. Um, they can communicate information between large groups of other corvids and they can um, do so through generations as well so there seems to be some interesting language patterns there but in most other animals it seems to be that when we hear them like like what you hear right now the birds kind of singing and and all this other stuff even with really smart animals like like cats and dogs right apparently they don't necessarily have like a language system, right? It's not like a consistent, hey, this sound means this concept, right? 
they're just kind of making a making a sound um and it's it somewhat tends to uh signify or tends to trigger a certain behavior right like when like with songbirds um birds singing it is there doesn't seem to be an abstraction layer i guess is what i'm is what i'm getting at and that abstraction layer i think is incredibly important for language um because for humans once we, we once we begin coming up with stories and, and ideas and talking about or just <laughs> talking right um we we were able to communicate concepts that go beyond what we can see right what we can perceive directly and you see this in the the space of written languages right um for a long time most of the the beginning languages were were pictographic or logographic or whatever you call it where they have um pictures as most of their language right and a lot of african languages are like that a lot of the early chinese languages and um middle eastern and things like that Man, pretty much almost every other every language started you know pictographic um the most famous of course is the egyptian hieroglyphs so and it's so interesting because when i look at that you know sometimes we like to think that it's a it's a direct kind of progress from pictographic to lithographic to you know lithographic meaning writing with words and scripts to to formulate abstract ideas it's yeah because sometimes it seems linear like okay you know a lithographic text or lithographic language is more robust or, or more you know complex or whatever you want to call it better basically but it's not necessarily because even today right you see us kind of getting going back to that a little bit in the space of using things like um em- emotes you know emojis and and gifs or gifs or whatever you want to call it right um these are very powerful memes these are very powerful ways to explain and and pass on information that is not purely on the written word and some people will like to pass judgment on that it's like oh we're we're um um de-evolving in our use of language because of the <laughs> you know profuse use of of emotes but i actually think it's not i think it's i think it's a continuation right it's a and it's also kind of contextual right um as i i was thinking about this over the over the last couple of days and it just i don't know let me try to <laughs> formulate my thoughts here so when i looked up pictographic languages they are very right robust like there's this one um called i think it's called nisibidi it's an african um language from uh not nigeria but like what was there before benin Edo, that kind of that 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 empire before um but they had this language called nisibidi that's n-i-n-s-i-b-i-d-i i think and um they they were showing like a court case that they depicted in a in a pictographic point right where they had like um certain lines or 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 you know it wasn't exactly pictures like it didn't like this picture didn't resemble like a person right but it resembled 
you just got to look it up. <laughs> I don't know. It's really hard to explain. Maybe I should have done this um, for my YouTube okay, where I can show visuals. But you just have to look it up, like Nisibidi court case. Um, and you see, like, these lines curving and, and like, a sh- these straight lines might resemble um, this is the party that w- of the uh, of the accuser, you know. And then the, this curved line symbolizes, like, a couple. And then this uh, this line with the curve at the end symbolizes um a person who who is kind of contempt about the case who like doesn't think it's you know that crazy or and then and then they have this other part that shows oh this entire thing is enclosed and and they have like a line drawing off to the side with the smaller enclosure um and this symbolizes that the court case wasn't able to be solved in in the local course in the local court so they had to you know bring in the elder the elder uh, like wise men from other villages to solve this case like it's just so interesting and they were they were able to depict all that with this logographic this pictographic language and i find that so interesting because yes we can depict that with um with words right of course we can but it takes it, it you have to wonder you know what is the use case like right now most logarithmic or pictographic languages are only used for like rituals or you know um by holy people or religious leaders or things stuff like that but before you had to wonder like was it was it only based on the caste system like only certain like the higher um people could learn it because it seemed like uh, like with hieroglyphs and, st- and things like that it was actually used by most of the public and I think this is an important point because we have to realize that in most most places in the world throughout history, most people were not um, were not able able to read. Right? They were not literate. Even in America, it was only in the last century where most people became literate. Right? And many nations, it was only in the last century where people, where the vast public, have became literate. Because before, most people did not need to learn how to read or write. Right? <laughs> and um with with hieroglyphic like hieroglyphics and stuff like that i think if i recall there there was like an example of how they use hieroglyphics as like street signs and stuff like that so you have to wonder maybe they use these pictographic languages because they were easier for most people to learn right for most people to to have an understanding of what you're trying to communicate without actually having a you know um a school system or at least a mandatory school system where everything everybody has to learn it some places like in um Edo Africa who use the Nisibidi language actually did have a school system where they taught this language um to to their young and that's why it's been lost because during colonization you know they destroyed um these schools and all that stuff so that a lot of the language is lost unfortunately but in many places, they did not have a like a school system, or they didn't have a um, public school system, right? It was only like certain people could afford school, or, or or would go to school, or would need to go to school. So maybe these pictographic languages were able to, you know, be more understood by people who didn't need, who didn't read, right? Like if you have a, a picture of a crane or something like that, or a picture of a rice field. You have an understanding. Okay, that's that's the direction to go to for a rice field, right? You don't even have to learn. You don't have to really 
figure out what some what these random shapes means that that translates into letters that translates into into a word right and i think that's very important because today when we're in a more globalized place and we're trying to communicate with people from multiple um, backgrounds from different areas of the country from different areas of the world you know there's there's highly it's we're, we're going to be dealing with people who don't speak the same language even if you even if you were even if you're in the same general geographic area and you, and you all speak english you might have very different backgrounds and so the way that you write could depict could could be very different right like this this is why it's so difficult to pick up on things like sarcasm right through text and um like these these the more that we communicate, basically, is what I'm trying to say. The more that we communicate virtually, the more we've, we are finding this textual language as lacking. Because it can't provide the context and the, and the greater nuances and subtleties that go into language and communication, right? And, and text, you, it's only the text. It's, only, it's kind of stripped away from the human aspect at least the, 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 the emotional aspect of, of humans, which plays a large part in, in what makes human communication important and, and, and interesting, right? A lot, the whole reason why we came up with language is to kind of per, give each other, portray our language, I mean, portray our emotions and ideas and feelings to each other. We only came up with written language in the, in the, during the Neolithic period well, well, let me let me backtrack on that because there's actually, you know, some cases of uh, of hunter gatherer cultures developing pictographic languages, right? But the only reason why we came up with uh, logarithmic or not uh, or what is it called? I just said the word before. Basically, you know, script languages, right? The reason why we came up with that is is to is for accounting, right? Is to come up with is be able to count. Um, your resources and your money and stuff like that. Like the ancient Egyptians, I think they were some of the first ones to develop um, a mathematical system and a and a uh, a system of accounting, so they can keep track of all the like the grain and all the other stuff that they were um, storing, right? And so when you're accounting, of course, that's kind of divorced from the emotional impact of what you're trying to say. But in pictographic languages, you can kind of portray some of that. Like I was saying before, you know, they had a, they had pictures that portrayed somebody with the that was held, that was like contempt, like <laughs> that didn't feel like this was, you know, a, a good court case or whatever. And so um, today, when we're using emotes and, and gifs and gifs, we're, we're we're trying to get back to that, right? We're trying to portray our emotional. Um, I don't want to say baggage, <laughs> our emotional uh, stance on things, right? We're trying to portray what we're thinking beyond just the what beyond just what binary words can give, and I find that extremely interesting. Um, and, and where I'm going with this is is I wonder where this will go, right? Like, in the in the future, as we come up with brain computer interfaces, right? And as we develop uh, augmented reality and virtual realities, where we're able to craft an entire reality around our ideas, 
how will that change our language system? I think that's a super interesting idea because um, my spouse and I, we, we, we started developing a, a Afrocentric world, like a whole world building, a, a really a, a multiverse <laughs> where you compare a bunch of fictional ideas and all this other stuff. I won't get into it because uh, she's she's not ready to really talk about it yet. But I can say one thing that we're 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 thinking about that I came up with is this idea of um, I called it. Uh, I'm not sure which one of us came up with this term, but it's kind of a basic term, but it's pretty cool. Uh, God speak. We have these gods, um, these super powerful beings, and they didn't they don't communicate the same way that we do. Right. They don't use you know words and um or written form or something like that they use something more more visceral they basically craft entire realities in order to communicate what they're thinking so that can look like a number of things right when you for 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 mortal it's like walking into a a realm and reality is kind of bent and you kind of feel and see all these different things but from god to god it's it's basically allows them to communicate things like their intentions their the different nuances and subtleties and their um, meanings right like the, the different probabilities like when we're speaking today it, most words or, or many words at least have double meanings or multiple meanings like if i say go over there I could mean over there by like what I'm looking at, what I'm pointing to, or I could mean like across the street. I could mean like, you know, to some place or whatever. Sometimes I might mean just one thing, but sometimes I might mean just generally over there, like away from here. Right. And um, it's hard to communicate that in, in our current language. And it takes like multiple kind of sometimes you have to uh, be more descriptive or sometimes you have to clarify yourself. But I, I was thinking, like, if if something was powerful enough to be a god or whatever, right? Then wouldn't it be cool if it, instead of trusting their, you know, um, language or their ideas to some to some method that that is primed for for misunderstanding? What if they can communicate exactly what they were thinking, right, to another being of their stature? Um, so that's how we came up with this God speak, where everything you communicate has multiple meanings. And if you are on the same stature, you can understand those meanings. Right? You can understand all of that at the same time and allows you to know exactly what the other person was thinking and was doing. So, so for example, if you, if you want to say, you know, if you want to relate to a memory to somebody, instead of writing it down or instead of talking about it, you basically craft an entire reality around that memory. You basically give them that memory along with your current day kind of um, callbacks to that memory so that you can understand their current perspective on that memory. So you get a sense of the, what they were seeing, feeling, touching, hearing, um, as well as the, what they were thinking at the time. And then you also get overlaid on that, you know, what they're currently thinking about it. And so it's it's... By human concepts, it's kind of difficult to understand or difficult to really grasp because our brains are just not capable of that, right? We're not really set up for that right now. But I think where we're going, right, with brain-computer interfaces 
it will allow us to be capable of something like that where you can create an entire virtual reality or augmented reality where you can like put an entire like memory in a in a, like a little sphere and you can pass that to somebody and you can they can take that memory and put it in their mind and they get everything they get all of that information at the same time and it's just just melds like perfectly into your into your brain i think that's where we're going with a lot of this technology at least that's where we can go and of course there's dangers with that but i also think it's it's something that we should think about because if we don't think about it right if we don't even consider you know more effective ways to communicate then we're just going to continue using the same methods of communicating um with greater and greater difficulty right with greater and greater um a chance for misinformation because i think today a huge part of the reason why we have so much misinformation and so much um, misunderstanding is because like again when, you, when you're using these platforms online where you're trying to text some somebody or send a tweet or whatever you can't portray you can't share your 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 thoughts you can't share your intentions you can't share your your tone of voice right and so it's very easy to be misunderstood but if we had if we had thought about this beforehand, maybe we maybe we would have you know gone a route that was more audio based, right? Maybe we would have created an audio Twitter or something like that. <laughs> I don't know exactly how that would work. I don't want to think about it right now, but I'm just just kind of giving ideas, right? Is the whole point is that we need to think more about what are the pros and cons of our current you know way of speaking, our current languages, and and how. They have progressed over the over the ages and how can we you know continue that progression into the future because again with augmented reality what we're trying to do here is create a, a kind of filters or lenses over our reality where we can see more information or even where we can take away information right or you can block things or you can just not see things which is dangerous <laughs> but you know people are going to try and do it um and so if you were able to like leave your thoughts, right, instead of leaving a review on some product, which is a kind of, um, which is an experience that isn't always super accurate, because first of all, you have a, a bias of the, peop- the, the type of people to leave a review are either people that really hate it or people that really love it, um, oftentimes, and, uh, or some people that just don't know how to give good reviews, they might give four stars and they say, it's, it's great. I'm like, okay, so why'd you give it four stars instead of five? Like, there's no, <laughs> there's not enough information there. And so what if instead we could, you know, we could give our ideas or, or, or our feelings for a product. Like, while we're using the product, we're kind of recording our feelings and our ideas and, and all that stuff and our thoughts. And then when we're done, just put that down. So any, anytime somebody else comes and uses the product, you can kind of exactly see and feel how they felt and how they were thinking when they used this product. So you have a more authentic idea of if this is, you know, a good product. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's not really, it won't make sense. But I just think it's, these are the sorts of things that we should think about more. Um, same thing for virtual reality, right? We're creating an entire virtual space, entire virtual experiences where you can walk in. You can be immersed in, into this other world. But... We still have the same limitations of this world. If if it, we have even more limitations because our technology is not there yet, we can 
where, where everybody has eye tracking and face tracking where you can see people's facial expressions see what they're looking at you know see how they're moving their hands and stuff like that um like some not all hardware has these capabilities and and it's only some of them are even creating those capabilities like the new vibe doesn't have that the new oculus they're talking about it but they don't have it yet and then you have to worry about like how they're going to use that data <laughs> when they do get it but in a in a kind of I don't want to say a perfect world but in a better world <laughs> you can kind of imagine having a um not just face tracking and 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 eye tracking all that other stuff but also kind of emotional tracking some way to portray your emotions your ideas your feelings uh, maybe even like your your chemical kind of scent <laughs> doesn't have to be like actual bo but like there's there's some parts of a physical presence to being to being in the same room as somebody that just cannot be captured yet in virtual reality so how can we capture more of that you know and how can we go beyond like when we a lot of um, Valve is, is doing a lot of experiments with BCI, with Grand Computer Interfaces. So you have to wonder, okay, will we be able to share our memories? Will we be able to share our feelings and our intentions, you know, with other people? That's a very, very interesting thing to think about. But yeah, that's that's kind of just some random thoughts I've been having. I wanted to share them for a while, so... I just find that so interesting. We might be able to come to a, a, a moment in our in history or in kind of humanity where we can have this God speak. <laughs> we can share all of our intention, our intentions, and our in our our ideas and emotions with other people very easily without any like risk of misunderstanding or of or of uh, misattributing or whatever. Um. I don't know. I hope we can get towards that. Maybe that's just pie in the sky type thinking, but interesting nonetheless, I hope. So yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Let me know what you think about this idea or any of these ideas. And um, hit me up, as always, at Elijah Claude, E-L-I-J-H-C-L-A-U-D-E on every platform, especially LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube, email. And uh, have a great day. See you. Bye-bye.